Welcome, Oncers. You have discovered the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. This is an unofficial podcast dedicated to the hit ABC TV show, Once Upon a Time. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff and Colleen Roney. Hello, everyone. Hello. How are you? <laughs> How? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm okay. How are Oncers all over the world? That's the bigger question. This is a this is the first thoughts podcast episode for the episode entitled Siege Perilous and it was quite a perilous episode for sure. It was. This is episode number 295. Whoa. And the show notes can be found at onceuponatimepodcast.com/295. Seriously almost 300? Almost 300. Wow. Yep. If we could get Gerard Butler to like call in for the 300, that'd be awesome. Well, yeah. He has literally nothing to do with Once Upon a Time right now, right. but still. 300, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think I, I don't think he'll do it, but hey, anything's possible. All right, so... He could send a fellow Scotsman in his place. I have one in mind. Yeah. I, um, I was really surprised at a lot of the episode tonight. Yeah. So it was one of those things where it was kind of like a magician, like they were having you look over here, but then they were doing other stuff. And I was like, how did I miss that? How did I not see that coming? Yeah. Because they had me diverted looking somewhere else. Don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain kind of a thing. It's funny you should mention that. We (laughs) saw a lot more of... Well, we saw more of Team Seven. We did in this episode, and this this season for sure. We're seeing a lot more of Team Seven, a lot, and that's great. And it is. They were whistling "Hi Ho" again. They were. I loved it. And we were fortunate enough to get a voicemail a while back yeah. when they were all singing "Hi Ho." And yeah. It was a great, such a great moment. And so they were digging for dust. Yeah. Diamond dust. Yep. And then the, for some reason, the dark one, Emma, decided to pop in there and take Happy, poor poor Happy. I know. He has such sad things happen in his life. Snow <laughs> broke his stein. His favorite stein. Which made him not happy. Right. And now... The dark one comes in and takes his pickaxe. Of all the pickaxes there were, I don't know if Stealthy is still around, but she grabs Happy's. Well, yeah, because he he didn't have it in hand. He was using a shovel, which was kind of unusual. Right. But, you know, that's what happens. And like she said, she said, I learned something being the dark one. If your name is on it, hold on to it. Whoa. Yeah. That was kind of creepy the way she did that. And they were they were kind of making fun of Dopey. We would not make fun of Dopey. No. But they were saying that Dopey is now a tree, and so uh, what yeah. kind of help is he to the the cause of Storybrooke? And he goes, "Well, he's producing oxygen." I just didn't <laughs> that think was, that was fair. That was not nice. No, it wasn't nice, but it was pretty funny. So then, then the next scene is we go to the fairy tale land, and they're in Merlin's room, mm-hmm. which kind of looks like. Every other room in any kind of castle there was. Uh, and I think they all had the same builder. P- probably. And they're looking for Witchbane. 
I don't know which bane important. Well, wolf bane. I know wolf bane, which but bane? which bane is kind of funny. Which bane? No, this bane. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, don't. So then they kind of stumble upon this idea, which came from Bell. Bell, Bell the reader, Bell that has no iPad. Right. Bell that reads those old-fashioned books without batteries. It is. It is something I have not embraced enough, reading books. I but used Bell to. does. Bell is really rewarded for that kind of thing because that's she where is. she finds these great secrets and these great helps to everyone. And so she said, well, if we could only talk to Merlin. And then everyone's light went on. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Then they stumble upon this magical toadstool. And I, yeah. I remember growing up as a kid... Because you would see mushrooms at the store. Mm -hmm. And so as a kid, I'd see these, you know, mushrooms Mm -hmm. growing on the front lawn. And mom said, no, 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 do not eat those. No. Those are toadstools. But they look like mushrooms. And so she kind of a teaching moment. It's like, oh, no, you have to be real careful. Don't eat those. Only in the store. Those are magical. (laughs) They're they're good to eat. You know, so anyhow, but uh, this magical toadstool... You know, we, of course, buy it because it's a kind of an Alice in Wonderland-ish kind of a thing. You know, eat me and grow big and all this stuff. And we've seen it before with Tiny and all that in the show. We so. have to. We this have is indeed. a magical. It is. And it's funny because toadstool. the image that I found online that looks very much like the one they grabbed is actually the fly agaric. That's the commonly known name for that particular mushroom or toadstool. Is that crazy? And we have a friend who actually collects mushrooms in the wild. So I'd imagine if uh, if R is listening, she could probably give yeah. us some some uh, tips on that about how to tell good and bad. But anyway, I kind of stay away from it because I'm I'm not wise and those kind of things. So yeah, in fact, the most commonly recognized toadstool is the um amanita muscaria which is the fly agaria one that i just talked about so and it's typically depicted in fairy stories and on greeting cards it's often associated with gnomes yeah gnomes gnomes and so when they brought up this toadstool arthur knew where he could get one Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he knew precisely where and Regina talked about well it was it was magical because you could talk across barriers right. and even through magical barriers. spells mm-hmm. and so that's when they said well then that, this is how we can speak to Merlin mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so once Arthur kind of explained it was kind of dangerous and but it could be done then charming almost jumped at the chance yeah to go and really face danger and basically be a hero mm-hmm. and I don't want to jump ahead but I just want to say Regina was kind of validated as a hero last episode mm-hmm. and we'll continue talking about this episode but you had some really interesting thoughts about uh, David in this episode. in this particular episode yes. and are you talking about the episode in general or are you talking about this particular scene well, this scene, you, you were saying... He, he was he very, felt. like, sketchy. Like, there was something just not right with him. He was not he was not all there. And I don't know. I couldn't pit, 
put my finger on what it was at first, it just, he looked very uncomfortable. And then when, when they mentioned where this toadstool could be found, it was, he basically almost threw the baby at, at snow and was like, since I'm not really needed here. Yeah. The, we keep mentioning the term left out. Yeah. I mentioned specifically the Emma as the dark one feeling left mm-hmm, out mm-hmm. standing in the street. Yeah. That also Regina felt left out. I think Snow here and there felt left out. So this is almost kind of the a variation of Neverland. They, they mm-hmm. all had to really work together and kind of we we learn not to judge a book by its cover in Neverland. So the villains weren't necessarily villains and 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 that kind of a thing. Right. But you mentioned something about that charming kind of relive that fear from Neverland. Yeah. About not being a good father. Right. And there was I, I know I'm jumping ahead, but we'll we'll get back into it. There's a really interesting moment that charming had with snow in the sheriff's office Mm -hmm. when things really started to fall apart right and but you definitely brought up the fact that this was he was reliving this fear of not being a good father right and it almost felt like when he jumped at the chance to go find the mushroom it was very similar to his desperation to find the cure for the nightshade poisoning on Mm -hmm. neverland so it was and it was that not i mean it was the needing to find it, but it was more important to keep that secret from Mary Margaret. Hmm. That was what I felt like was going on. It was very similar to that until we had that scene with her in the sheriff's office. So that, you know, was, there was just a similarity is what I saw. And and I know I, I sort of generalize, but I look at things coming from a, a male perspective, those moments that charming, had with snow in that office for the normally is a very hard thing for a man to do Mm -hmm. is to admit yeah look i i don't think i'm up to this challenge and the town's not following me you know i i don't have any kind of connection we don't have any connection with our daughter Mm -hmm. he was really kind of unpacking this reality deep in his soul. And I thought that that was so good because, you know, most everyone says, you know, the key to a great relationship is communication. And if you cannot be honest and it's hard to kind of say that Mm -hmm. because a man feels like they always need to be in charge and well, uh, in uh, together, all together. Right. And when a man isn't all together, he doesn't have the answer. He's not able to help or save, quote unquote. That's when that's when he begins to be shaken mm-hmm. in his place, whatever that is. And I thought it was a really great moment because women generally are are easier at kind of expressing their feelings expressing mm-hmm. how they where they are in a certain situation it's easier for them yeah. and i think they have this kind of close connection with other women that they can uh, express that but i thought it was a great moment for their relationship and and i think we've seen that before but anyhow i i think 
I think they grew from that, and I think it was a great um, strength moment after it. Yeah. So the even in Freytale Land, even in Camelot, mm-hmm. Regina is called Madam Savior. Oh yeah. <laughs> the Madam doesn't leave. No, much, no. So. I mean that was very funny because that yeah. is exactly what Emma called her as Madam Mayor. So I mean, yeah, that was kind of a nice little parallel there. And uh, Arthur mentioned that we would quest together as brothers. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is Charming doesn't really have friends. He doesn't have a buddy. He doesn't have someone right. he can kind of call up and say, hey, a let's watch a, yeah, let's watch a baseball game or let's go to the pub or whatever right i mean snow kind of has regina now and she had emma until emma became the dark one you know and snow's had ruby and she's had a few others that she could call on i don't see charming being all that chummy with like archie uh definitely none of the dwarves because they all kind of like are leery of him the task anyway because they felt like he was a gold digger exactly and then we have you know him and gold no right right i mean he offered advice but i mean he really doesn't have and he and hook that's been a real weird relationship from the from the get-go but but the point is is he doesn't have that bestie so of course he's going to jump at the chance to have somebody who he has a lot in common with right and and as their quest continued there was just similarities. Oh my gosh! As they were talking, it was like, oh yeah, I I hear that, and I I certainly yeah yeah. So th- that was really interesting that they that that really happened. You know, call it a bromance, call it a quest, whatever you want to call it. I think it was really cool that he had someone mm-hmm. that he could talk to and relate to, and all that kind of thing. So um, why do you think? What was up with the question mark in the book? I, I, I it was almost like Regina knew to do that. I didn't really, I, I didn't the, read that. The book, yeah. Well, they knew they were in Arth- they were in Merlin's room in the castle, which is interesting. Merlin had a room in the castle, right? In Camelot, correct. And then they were there, and so Belle just casually makes the comment, "Oh, it's almost like." It's great having these resources, you know, Belle the Reader. She's like, it's almost like talking to the master himself. And that's what prompted Snow to say, what if we could talk to him? And then Regina said, you occasionally are a genius, which I thought was kind of very sweet of her to at least say that, you know, she recognizes that it happens. But basically she was kind of saying it doesn't happen all that often. (laughs) And it moved forward from idiots. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So... But the point is, is that, you know, I, I, you know, having Arthur's, not Arthur, having Merlin's things and being able to read his texts and his books and things like that, that he had there, it would be like reading his diaries almost. So in a sense, you know, it was a nice way for Belle to bring that up. So Grumpy has a mouth on him and he. Oh, yeah. He really is kind of expressing a lot of um, issues and problems with Mm -hmm. their position in Storybrooke. And so he basically calls out 
Snow and Charming, and he says, you're just scared parents. You don't want us to do anything. You don't want us to help out. He says, we're, we're going to help out. That's it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And because I, I think that Charming was kind of leading by – by protection, and he he didn't want anyone to really to get into any kind of danger. Grumpy saying, "No, we're all in." So that's that's that. But um, so any okay? No, I'm right. good. I was with you. So then we, and then at the end of the uh, conversation between Snow and Charming in the uh, sheriff's office, I wrote down the the quote I really love. Uh, is she says, "In any world, you are my hero," and you know we've we've kind of talked about validation. You know, validation on social media. Oh, mm-hmm. someone tell me I'm worth something. When in reality, you should know that you're unique. Your thumbprint is unique. And just based on that alone, you are unique on this mm-hmm. planet. Your gifts, the way you look at things, the way you do things is different than anyone else. And we all need each other. And so as you build on that, as you go through life, you should realize, you know, I'm not I'm not different. I'm unique. And so what happens is, is we rely on other people to tell us what we are. And that can be... <laughs> Not good, because if someone doesn't like us, then they tell us what they think we are. Right. Should we believe that? I don't think so. And so it's really neat, though, that in a relationship, whether it's a friend or a boyfriend, girlfriend, or a husband and wife, spouse, is that there are times when you need to hear from your spouse, I believe in you, or in any world, you are my hero. Mm-hmm. And... Because it's that you and me against the world, you know, mm-hmm. Colleen and I have had that kind of conversation before. Yeah, we have. Is, you know, just you and me against everything. And so when when we need it, you know, I'm her cheerleader and she's my cheerleader. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really yeah. cool about it. But at the core, I shouldn't have to have that. Right. To survive. I should know in my gut in my heart that I am worth something. Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, it was a neat moment for them to have in the sheriff's office. Mm -hmm. And then I learned the word reliquary. I didn't know what that was. That (laughs) I, that's what I thought I heard him say. uh, I, I will, I will say this. Normally, I don't have trouble following what's being said, but there were several points tonight where the music was just overpowering what was being said, in my opinion. Maybe it was just how we were listening to it, but there were times when I was like, wait, what? What did he say? Well, I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but there's a scene when Emma, as a dark one, kind of recreated their first date. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, when they walked on Hook's boat, Killian's boat... The background birds and mm-hmm. the, the sounds in the creek and the yeah. oceans were so loud. Yeah. It was like there wasn't a wall. Right. And I was like, man, that's loud. Yeah. The so, sound, I mean, it was kind sound of sound editor weird. didn't pay attention this particular episode. That's the only thing I can say is just there were points where I was like, whoa, whoa, that's just way too loud. So anyway. I enjoyed the music. I oh, I, I, I hear oh, what you're saying. Dude, Aisham is a little, genius. A loud, but but the, the balance of, of dialogue with music was 
the sound editor, yeah. not the musicians. So anyway. Indeed. And so, you know, I, I understand the idea of relics and that kind of a thing. And so he was collecting magical items mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. like, like Rumple. Rumple specifically mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of the connectedness between, uh, you know, these different stories mm-hmm. as we move, move forward. So there was this bean. We understand yeah. what a bean means and right. what it means. And then when Arthur says, yes, and it was a magic, be- magical bean that can get us back to Camelot. We all understand that. Oh yeah. We know it's portal bean. And that's yes. Which, and looking back, why didn't anybody go, wait a second, we can ask Andre the giant about this. Right. Or not Andre, <laughs> Anton. I keep calling him Andre. Anton. Because where is Anton these days? On Hawaii. He's in Hawaii. He's in Hawaii. On, on another show. He is. But anyway, so point is that, yeah, they didn't, I mean, nobody even thought to even ask or say, you know, we can find another portal. They just immediately go, oh, we got to get that bean then. But that's a great way to kind of connive somebody is use something that you really don't have to understand to explain. Right. That everyone understands exactly yeah. what you yeah. mean. Yeah. So it's actually mm-hmm. pretty smart. Mm-hmm. So then we wondered, well, who stole the bean? Then so we'll, we'll, well, yeah. we'll continue on. Who took the bean? Yep. So then we we now understand that there is a scene with Rumple and said that we need a hero for the uh, Excalibur sword. Yeah, yeah, because Emma, of course, you know, taking Happy's axe, thinking she's going to do it, and he's like, dude, you're wasting your time. It's, right. it's a fool's errand. Mm-hmm. And she just gets pissed off and tries to, to you know, crack the rock open, and psh, it breaks the axe. Happy's poor little axe. It's, it is interesting that villains or quote-unquote evil people mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not specifying anything but it's just they always want to take another way around there's the way to do something well, it's but like they always try and find another way it's like, like oh, Ari- i don't have to it's do like the ariel way, said but, eh. how are you going to find your happy ending when you keep going about it the wrong way yeah right yep so emma's not going to find what she's looking for because she's going about it the wrong way and ghost rumple Ghost or evil dark rumple one, right? However you want to call him, he totally was honest with her. He goes, "Look, you're you're being a, you're being a ninny. This isn't going to work. You gotta you gotta know it's not going to come that easy. Come on, don't waste your time." And then out of anger, she does it anyway. And then she's like, "He goes, you know exactly what we need. We need a hero, and you know exactly who I'm talking about." So at that point, I was thinking to myself, "Well, wait." Is he? Is she going to go try to kidnap Arthur? Hmm. Because I figured, you know, that's the one who pulled the sword out the first time, right? That's right. the hero we all expected to have happen. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. And then when she grabbed, when she wanted Hook, I was like, oh, wait a second. Hook is, Hook could be the hero that could pull it out. But no, that wasn't it at all, as we find out. And I'm like, that's why I just, I can't believe I didn't notice that i can't believe she pulled the fast one over on me man yeah man so then as we learn more about arthur then i wonder how he pulled the sword out to begin with right 
I don't have an answer yet for that. But that's a man. That's a question. But again, he was destined to be the king. That doesn't mean yeah. he's always look. Arthur is not who we think he is. Right. Character wise. And to be honest, I think all of them aren't who they are. A majority of the characters are being someone who they really aren't. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, I I think that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. So Zelina (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes he, you know, and I've heard this, and it's a, it's a drum that, you know, just keeps yeah, pounding over and over mm-hmm. and over. And it's like there's these characters that are kept around, have no real purpose. And Zelina was kept around for the baby. But what do you do between now and when the baby's born? Do you just keep her locked in the cell and say, oh, yeah, she's in the cell? Or do you have use for her? Right. And so then we have that exchange between her and Regina this time. Mm-hmm. And Regina kind of duffs off the evil queen and said, look, I'm going to protect the baby. You, I'm not too sure about you. You cannot get you, in on that promise. Right. You have no such guarantees. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays. I mean, that's in and of itself right there. Very uncharacteristic of someone who's supposed to be the quote unquote savior, even though Regina is not really the savior. Again, see, this is why it's hard when you are trying to be something you are not. Mm-hmm. Regina has been the evil queen for so long that while she has made amazing strides towards being a good person, a hero, that old nature is still there. It's still underlying. It's well, sure. still easy to pull up. And so, I mean, Hook even said it. it's super easy to fall right back into that because it's very comfortable. It's very easy. It's very familiar. And I think that's the thing is that when it comes to this, and Zelina knows how to push her buttons. Zelina knows exactly how to push her buttons. Well, you know, and Zelina's crying the whole, I'm still the poor little, you know, victim here. And I love Regina's response. Stop playing the victim. Oh, I know people like that. Oh, Stop boy. playing the victim. Yeah. Well, look, I love Rebecca Maynor. Rebecca's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Zelina has always made me just go, seriously, you're going to still try and pull that one? Come right. on, Zelina, get a new get a new song. Sing a new song. That one's old, tired. Yeah. So, you know, at this point, I would really let, and, you know, <laughs> I was kind of like, she's really going to try and play the, well, you got a second chance. Why can't I have one? And the minute, you know... Regina kind of goes, yeah, I doubt that's what's going on. Then she reverts right back into the whole, you're just mean and mean. And that's right. when she's like, just shut up. Just just shut up again. So, so Zelina, I, I don't know that we'll see any more from her in a while, for a while. Maybe. Maybe they not. Have, we'll they have see. little things here and there that they're going to bring up, you know, sonograms and whatever. Sure. All right. And... So then we learn about the Siege Perilous as far as what that this really episode mm-hmm. is yeah. concerned. It is the chair for the knight with the purest heart and also can go on sacred quests. Mm-hmm. And we learn who was in that chair. Right. The Siege Perilous, which, again, in the traditional legends, which, by the way, King Arthur, the Arthurian legend is very loosey-goosey. There's no Mm -hmm. canon. There's a a number of different versions of it. So 
all of what we're seeing is probably part of various versions of that particular um, set of stories. In one particular version of Arthurian legend, it was actually Percival who was originally in mm. the sea, uh, Siege Perilous. But then he was given over to Galahad. We still okay. haven't seen Galahad, so I'd be interested to know if there's going to be a Galahad. And then, of course, Lancelot was one of the options as well. So I think it's interesting. Now, I happened to know, just because I was watching the credits at the beginning, that we were going to see Lancelot. I just mm -hmm. didn't know if it was going to be in flashbacks or how it was going to work. So um, that was where, you know, I know we talked about him, so I figured there must be a flashback or something. But anyway, um, David, you know, wants that so badly and i w thought it was really interesting that lancelot had the higher seat i th that thought it thought it very fascinating that arthur said his seat was one of the lower ones and mm -hmm. that it was his reminder that you know what uh, anyway it was very interesting because again you know i still at this point up to up until the end i was kind of like well maybe he's really good but maybe he's really not and as we go through the whole episode we learn he's actually really not right he's just not he's a bad guy so in this reliquary reliquary i think it's reliquary reliquary or whatever right. the way he, he pronounced it sound like well reliquary the box with the relics in it yeah and i know that that was a, a big deal uh, for churches and different things to have certain relics and, sure. and all that. Sure. And so they, one of them was the unquenchable flame. And so this was needed on the quest to go get the crimson crown uh, toadstool. And so they take off on this quest. And then we have a moment in Granny's that had, probably had one of the funniest. And, and I really... And wondering how parents are going to really kind of explain the, the terminology of it. But so Robin's there looking at this picture. On the phone. On the phone. And a Hook walks in and says, oh, you have one of those talking boxes. I can help you like that. He goes, no, no, I, I, I know. This is a picture of up inside Zelina. And that's exactly the. You don't get anyone get mad at me. That's exactly the line in the verbatim, show. This verbatim what he said. And he said, "Wait, what did he say?" That was he quite said, funny. No, no, hey, hey, whoa, hey. whoa, 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 no, 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 like no, no. It's a sonogram. It it's a, so no, it's the funny. baby. It's no. Oh no, my no, god, no. that was so. Funny. But you got to admit, there's a lot of these things that we take for granted that you really try to explain to someone that doesn't know. <laughs> you I, do, but it was really very quite. Wait, there's amusing. a farm inside there and face Facebook. What's yeah. that? You know, all yeah. these crazy yeah. things. So yeah. then they, but I, I just thought it was really kind of funny. And then we have the. Uh, the scene with Emma and uh, Killian on the ship. And we already talked about the yeah. background sounds. And so then we, this kind of shifty guy, his name is Griff. Right. Griff. Right. It's right. like somebody that was in Back to the Future. That's immediately the, what I kept yeah. thinking too is um, Griff, Back to the Future. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Which may have been a little bit of a nod, by the way. So they come to this bridge mm -hmm. to get this crimson crown. Yes. And it's very much like 
Indiana Jones and the oh. Last Crusade or first, something. First thing I thought of was Lady of the Lake. Yeah. Because, again, Excalibur was pulled from the lake. Was Well, mm-hmm. Lady of the Lake pulled Excalibur. In, anyway, in some accounts gave those. Anyway. Lady of the Lake had to do with, she was part of the um, Arthurian legend. But anyway, go ahead. I love, uh, I love the name on the little urn or, or little cup uh, that they took from <laughs> Gold Shop and Belle let go. Belle looked actually really, really pretty. Yeah, I love the little, um, she had the ponytail. I think that was a great look for her. Okay, you're skipping way the heck ahead. Nope, nope. I'm just going to follow my notes. Okay. So, um, and Doctoberfest. That was kind of, that was a funny. <laughs> for Doc's birthday. Woohoo, for Doc's birthday in October. October birthdays rock. So then we have this huge chase scene, and uh, Griff takes off. Because of the little ruse with the uh, Doctoberfest. Yeah. Thing, which that was I think pretty was brilliant. Really, yeah. That was actually very brilliant. Yeah. And See David being sheriff. That's that's what yeah. he's good at. He's right. good at that kind of stuff. And then he cre- recreated this jousting thing with the truck and the piece oh, of wood. Dude. and Yeah. So. Yeah. It was very, very interesting. So poor Griff went flying. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, in normal, real situations, probably would have, like, impaled him. Yeah. So so then we go back and we uh, play out the rest of the scene of getting the Crimson Crown, uh, going over the the uh, the bridge. And which, you know, he's slipping and falling and he didn't want to fall in the water and, it, and he didn't fall. But then he turns around and gets it. And it's kind of like Indiana Jones getting the gold uh, little idol. And I'm thinking, OK, it was tough to get in, but it can't be just easy to get out of there. And so he turns and he starts to go back and then he has these ghost defenders coming out of the water. Well, that's the thing. That was the really weird thing. Okay, so I'm sitting there going at some point in time, and I'd already seen from, you know, the the trailer for or the preview for this week's episode last week. I had seen that there was going to be some underwater scenes, so I was like, okay, the minute he starts running across that bridge, I'm thinking, oh god, at some point in time, he's going to get pulled under the water. He made it all the way, and I'm like, okay, it's going to happen on the way back because that would make the most sense. Now, one of the things that I thought was interesting is that you know Arthur said. You know, didn't even hesitate when David goes, I'll go. It's not going to hold both of our weight, so I'll go. Right. It's not going to hold both of our weight. Mm-hmm. Remember that. Arthur didn't object, didn't correct him, didn't, you know, say, no, 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 let me go get it. It's too dangerous, blah, 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 blah. He let him go get it. David had no trouble getting it. When he came back halfway through, that's when he started having the problem, right? With the creepy water things and if he had paid attention he would have noticed all the parts in there in the lake so it's kind of weird secondly on the way back he looked up ahead to see the light because that was the thing that that arthur said when he left me he said go he said the unquenchable flame will be your beacon back he fell in the middle of the dock before they started attacking him and he looked up and there was no flame. So that's when I knew something's not right. 
Something's yeah. definitely not right. And then I thought, okay, Arthur is going to have to save him at some point. Arthur's going to save him or, you know, Dark One. I don't know. Somebody was going to save him, but but he, I knew he was not going to be able to get out of it by himself it's, uh, somehow. I just, mm-hmm. it was just too much. There's too many of them. So then all of a sudden, he still got at least a good, what, 10, 15 feet to go to get off this thing. And Arthur is standing right above him and reaches through the water and grabs him out of the water and pulls him up on the dock um, with him. The dock that wasn't sinking, that supported both of their weight, no problem. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So Arthur knew that somehow. And then the other thing is, is that I'm thinking now, now looking forward to what we know happened later, that's when the swipe happened. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. And I I just want to say the last time that that charming was pulled underwater was with the siren. So it's very Lake, kind yeah. of similar mm-hmm. kind the, of the thing. siren that looked like Mary Margaret. And that's interesting that we have seen different parts of the Arthurian legend yeah. before. Oh yeah. Little little bits here Snippets. and there. Yeah. We've mm-hmm. seen a fake Excalibur and right. the Lady of the Lake. And so anyway, it was kind of Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So the and it it does cut back and forth, but I want to go back to the finish of the um, Killian and Emma scene mm, mm-hmm. on the boat, mm-hmm. and it is heartbreaking. Very, but you know there are times when you have to have that make or break conversation. Yeah, and it's not easy, and sometimes it's better to just. You know, be upfront and honest and get it over with. Or then the other one, it's like, no, that's okay. It's okay. But he really went in and he said, you know, who who are you? What what's going on with you? And, you know, she's trying to kind of keep both sides. okay. it's like, well, you know, we can still be together and I'm still the same person that that, you know, you found. No, no, I'm better. I'm better now. And, so and he's like, are she, you kidding me? Yeah. She said, I'm different, better. And she says, I see things clearly and I'm not scared anymore. And what's interesting is what, what, I, what I would find heartbreaking is that was without me. You know what I mean? I, th- this dark one means more to you than him. And so definitely killing right. is understanding exactly what Belle was trying to really get at. It right. Is, look, when somebody says it's hard to love a dark one, and it's hard to love Jeff Roney. He's just, you know, whatever. And it's just it, once you experience that, th- then you understand that loving the dark one, it, it's 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 a full house because it's not just you mm-hmm. and them. Right. It's you and the dark one pull and all the different things and you. And it's just, it, it's, it's, tough. it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's two's company, three's a crowd. Right. And unfortunately when the dark one's involved, it's, that's the third. And it's not even, that's the third. That's the number two. When it says there, he had a number of voices. So, I mean, it, I, I don't know if there's any winning of that situation. No, and and now, isn't. now it seems they possibly have a, fighting chance but <laughs> there's always well, a twist and that so. was the sad thing is you know i mean she point blank asked him she was baiting him and she was trying to 
I mean, there was a point where I think she knew she made the wrong choice. And, well, look, you know, Gold right, and, right. you know, mm-hmm. ba- Belle, they loved each other. And he's like, why would you even bring up the crocodile? He, you know, I wouldn't use that as an example. And she's like, yeah, well... You know. I'm gonna I'm gonna step out into thin ice and I'm gonna say their conversation right there. Mm-hmm. They swapped genders. Yeah, a little bit. She said what she felt would continue on her point. Yeah, but she didn't really consider the full ramifications like a guy would not have. Killian picked up immediately on, on that and said, "Why in the world would you compare yourself?" With the crocodile. Mm-hmm. Why would you do yeah. that? And yeah. then it just kind of fell apart from And there. I loved that he flat out told her. I mean, she said, she said, look at him. He was a coward. And then he became the dark one. And, you know, and he goes, yeah, he became a, an evil little man. But I was the villain on the boat. I mean, that's when she, you know, he grabbed the cutlass and mm-hmm. said, I put this to his throat. And I ta- you know, taunted him with it and tormented him with it. And then she... She was trying to say, but look how great that turned out for him and Belle. And it's like, no, you don't understand. Or maybe she did, and that was the whole point. Killian Killian was the villain. Right. And that was the thing that killed him to have to admit. Made it really, I mean, she just really kind of stuck a little knife in there. She, She didn't even stick a knife in. She sliced him with a little tiny blade and then just poured lemon juice all up and down that wound. And that's really kind of how I saw that whole exchange. And it, it was heartbreaking to see him, you know, normally with so much love in his eyes for her and now to look at her with just almost pure hatred. And that's just, I mean, when she asked him, you know, do you, do you love me? Cause if you do, then great. But if you don't, I'll let you go. Well, let me, let me just say this really fast is that, um, I think life is is about how things are seen. And it's not just how you see things, although that's important, mm-hmm. your point of view. But I think when you see things with other people and they kind of help you see a fuller picture, mm-hmm. that I think is, is more beneficial. Oh, yeah. Because anything, I can see my point, and that goes against your point. And that's when conflict can happen and vice versa. Mm -hmm. But we can, when we both talk about what we see in this situation from our points of view, we can adjust that. And I can say, okay, wait, okay, I'm I'm looking at it just from me, but what about her, right? And and so the the, the thing is, is when they were talking about the whole uh, uh, Rumpel was pleading on the deck and Mm -hmm. all that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. He, she said, I'm seeing things clearly, right? Mm-hmm. And he really brought the truth into the situation and trying to help her the way she saw it. Mm-hmm. So she's not seeing clearly. No, she's, she's seeing, not. seeing things clouded. Very much and, so. And, and so I just wanted to say that. So, Well, and that's the thing is that, you know, somebody gets it in their head that they're point of view is right and that is their perception and i've always said this um one man's perception is his reality or her 
Yeah. I'm saying a general, not right. gender specific. But right. bottom, bottom line is one's perception is one's reality. And it's not always the true reality, but it is a perception. And I think that's the problem is that, is that Emma's so clouded by this dark one now that she can't see beyond her own perception. So no matter what you know, Hook was telling her, she still was seeing it that, no, I'm so much better now that I, I, you know, I feel so much better, more powerful. And again, it was that whole thing of, she was trying to say she was a coward. She was never a coward. Mm -hmm. So the fact that she feels like she was, you know, she was scared before she was a little bit afraid of love, but she was not afraid of much of anything else. Right. So it's kind of funny how, you know, now the one thing that she could have without, even hesitation and she can't have it now because it's, you know, it, Killian's pulling back and mm -hmm. I don't blame him. I mean, it is tough. Belle said it's a lot easier to hate the dark one than it is to love the dark one. I kind of have to agree with him, with her on this. So, I mean, but it was, it was very gut wrenching to watch, uh, to watch him, you know, and then, and then the whole thing of, he said, okay, so am I steering or am I swimming to get back home? And then even she kind of choked up and realized that that was him saying, look, I don't want to be anywhere near you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. You are not Emma. You are not the woman I love. It's, it's over basically. Um, even she just kind of like got teary and misty and said, ship's yours. And then poofed away and vanished away. So it just, uh, it was, it was a very difficult conversation. It was very unfortunate. You know, that love is a powerful thing, but sometimes love cannot overpower a, a yearning for uh, power or influence from something like dark one dagger. It's, it's, it's not a magical cure and right. some things take more than, just a, a, a wish. Absolutely. So, well, and the other thing, too, that I noticed, too, is that Emma is still behaving very childishly. Mm -hmm. She still hasn't grown up yet. You know what I mean? Remember how we were talking about the fact that, you know, even at one point, Regina was talking and commenting on her food choices being so childish and yeah. Emma dressing like a little teenager to go on her first date with Hook. Regina and called her a petulant child. She, she did, absolutely. Yeah. And I think she still is in that position. And I think that's, you know, part of that is she never had parents growing up. So, you know, foster parents tried to do the best they could, apparently, but I guess it wasn't good enough. So she's still very much a child and she just needs to mature. But again, she needs to get rid of the darkness first. Killian uh, mentioned that he loved you to her mm -hmm. and then he said but that you isn't here right and then she said well do you love me and and he said i loved you mm -hmm. and um so uh and then she poofed off the boat and that was it for now but i think that her love for him may be one of those things that just might save her. That just might save her. That um, the faux rumple was uh, basically so scared about because mm -hmm. getting rid of the light also means getting rid of love mm -hmm. that doesn't give up on you. Right. And so um, we'll see how that all plays out. So mm -hmm. where that 
that toadstool was was a bog, and I had forgotten the word, so I wrote yeah. it down. Yeah. And then I, it was really interesting, the conversation that Arthur was having with uh, Charming is that the quest is to seek, not to find. Mm. So as long as you're you're seeking, that's important. It's not necessarily that you find something. I just but, then, kind of... but then David looked at him and goes, do you really believe that? And he goes, no. Yeah. <laughs> not so much. I do think you do need to keep seeking until you actually find it. Once you find it, that's when your quest is done. So it was one of those things, you know... Um, it was interesting to me that Arthur, of course, was the one who wanted to go searching for the mushroom, knowing that David wasn't going to go back under the water. Yeah. Right? Because we all knew that that was not going to happen. David realized it was it was a fool's errand. So David said he wanted more from this life mm-hmm. than being known as the the man who kissed and woke up Snow White. Mm-hmm. He he didn't want to be remembered as just that. Right. Which is funny because we were talking about that. And I said, you know what? The funny thing is, if you look at like the the story or the Disney movie even, what do we know about the prince other than he kisses her and wakes her up? He sings pretty good. He sings very well. But that's all we know about him. We don't know where he came from. We don't know anything about him. We don't know of his heroic deeds. We don't know if he was a fierce warrior. We don't know if he was... A shepherd. We don't know if he was a good man or anything. We just know he woke her up. Yeah. We know an awful lot about snow. We know an awful about awful lot about the dwarves. We even know a lot about the queen. We don't know anything about him. Right. So that is the legacy that you know. He keeps talking about how you know. Well, you you guys are pretty much legends. You know, they knew of you know Arthur and his exploits. And they seem to know a lot about a lot of these other characters that they come across from different lands and realms and what have you. And they are legends in their minds, you know, because they know this. And he even said that to Arthur. He goes, you you guys are pretty much legends. So it's that whole thing of David doesn't want to – he wants to make his mark. He wants to leave his mark. He wants to leave a legacy instead of just being, you know, Snow's husband, the guy who woke her up. Now, if she heard that, I would imagine she would have uh, quite a few little things to say Absolutely about that. Absolutely, she would. Say, uh, I think that's enough. I think that's a wonderful legacy to leave. Right. But, you know, there's something but about... But she would actually, actually talk about the other stuff that he has done. I mean, he's the one who defeated the, you know, the dragon to get the gold to Midas, you know, the head back to Midas, remember? Right. That's how he ended up winning the hand of Abigail when he didn't want it. And, and I mean, he's done some amazing things. He does run the town. He does keep the town in line. He does find well, things and figure things out well, and what have you. We'll get to her in, in, in just a minute. Okay. The, I also enjoyed the conversation about uh, a loss. You know, he's saying, he said, Oh, the, you know, the crimson crown's gone. Yeah. I, I lost it. It mm-hmm. must have fell down in the water. I, mm-hmm. I I can't go and get it. And then they had this conversation. They said, what do you do after a loss? You never give up. Yeah. You keep going. Yeah. You know, and what's interesting is Arthur was giving him advice that he was giving everybody else on Neverland, let's mm-hmm. say. You know, mm-hmm. you and and in that situation, it was you never give up on your family. You never right. give up on those you love. Right. And, you know, he and Snow were always this kind of, 
you know, both of them together was we always have hope. We never give up. We always, you know, believe and and all that. I will always find you. The, then we find that David, the, the failure in Storybrooke, Mm -hmm. who's been working to become a better father to his adult child and his youngest child. His infant son, yeah. And he now is Sir David of the Enchanted Forest. He, yes, he's been knighted. And very clearly, Snow said, David, you did it. Mm-hmm. You did it. And mm-hmm. so in that in that situation, hopefully he can kind of shake off all that old loss, all that old mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. But, you know, again, th- this position... It is a position, but I mean, he has to internally kind of uh, sort that out in, in him. But his coat of arms return that we've mm-hmm. seen before, especially yeah. in season one, it was yeah. really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And then right after one of the coolest scenes, it really gave me goosebumps. You know, the 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 knighting of him, mm-hmm. the sitting down in the Siege Perilous Seat. Mm-hmm. And taking his place, and everyone's cheering, and all that. And see, that's where the Disney film would have ended, right there. Right, right. But then there's always that scene afterwards, and Snow took the baby out. Baby his was kind of fussy, fussy. yeah. Mm-hmm. And she noticed someone moving out in in there, and we see Lancelot, who yes. we thought was dead, right? But possibly not. Can we trust this Lancelot here? I don't know. But this Lancelot said. Camelot is not what you think. And there's Arthur a villain. Be, well, there's right, a villain. Right, yeah. And she's not in. I know, I know, I know. We're really sorry we brought the Dark One. She's our daughter. But we're going to fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, I love her little optimistic. We're going to fix it. And then he says, no, no. There's another villain. And when he said that, I went, oh, dear Lord, it's going to be Arthur. It's going to be Arthur. Or Guinevere. I was waiting for him to say it was Guinevere. Yeah. But it was Arthur. And... Then, you know, she's like, wait, what? So that's when the whole thing of, you know, it just came to light. It's like, oh, my God, Arthur is the bad guy. He is a bad guy. But again, why is he really a bad guy? Is or, kind, or is it kind of more like what we saw or thought was going to happen with Elsa, where we thought Elsa right. was going to be the bad one. And it's actually not if she was misunderstood. She was doing something to protect because she didn't have a choice. Tough to say. It's really hard to say at this point. So it's kind of oh. like it's almost obvious that they want us to believe he's a bad guy. Is he really a bad guy? I, I kind of go back and forth. Yeah. You know, is his hand, are his hands tied basically? Or is it that he really is just that greedy? I don't know. I can't tell. We had another scene in the sheriff off, sheriff's office cell. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have been in that cell. Yes. And now Griff is in this cell. Yeah. And it's always when other, everyone's away. Of and course. so Arthur strolls in there and basically says, you know... I want you to do a Jonestown here. I want you to Man. drink this. And it, it's really interesting. It was green. Yeah. And he disappeared in a poof of green smoke, which immediately I thought of Zelina yeah. and Oz. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So 
But but then he quickly kind of talked him into it and said, you know, you're going to die for Camelot. You're going to be the cornerstone of the new Camelot. Right. And we're, we're, we're going to build the new one... Camelot in Storybrooke. Which I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. You just confessed in front of all of us that you purposely did the things you did, which is lie about a bean. Right. Yeah. You stole a bunch of stuff. You took off running. And you did all of this at the request of the king, who you clearly know and see is not very good. Right. And you're going to trust him? Trust him that he's going to actually like, yeah, I don't, mm -mm, no, no, no. And let me ask this question. Where the heck did he get that? Potion. I think Zelina's behind it. That's just what I think. I don't know. I don't know how she could be. Anyway. I really don't know how she could be. So she has no magic. She can't talk. Well, then I she guess she could they, write stuff I out. But I'm just saying, Ag- Agrabon vipers. And that's my point. Is well. where would he have gotten that stuff? Now maybe that was part Merlin, of what was in. I don't know. Maybe that Merlin's was room. That was part of what was inside either Merlin's room in the castle or part of what was inside the reliquary. And right. by it is reliquary is correct. That is the actual. It's, okay. I know it sounds really weird, but it's it's a. I will always mispronounce it. I it's guess. reliquary. Anyway, so, so point is, is how where did he get that? Where right. to get the potion? And why would Griff trust him? And poor guy. I mean, he was just this poor, you know, devout. It almost kind of reminded me a little bit of, um, oh, I'm going to go blank on it. Anyway, it just reminded me very much of a of a blind faith servant right, right. following. Yep. Well, that, but I was thinking more of almost even like Nazi type stuff. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, a blind theoretically, faith, yeah. the Nazi party basically got everybody to believe that yep. it was the right thing to do. And so, um, yeah, I just there's something just still not right. And then the whole fact of, you know, Guinevere and uh, Cam- and Arthur having the conversation in Camelot. And I, I still am not sure if he's dead or not because he disappeared. I'm, I'm not sure. And that's the thing. We didn't see him die. Because yeah. here's the thing. That's the other thing. If it really truly was the poison from the Agrabah Viper, mm-hmm. that's not how Regina, uh, it's not how Snow's father died. That's right. Yeah. Snow's father did not. I mean, that was so not at all. So part of me is thinking, nope, that's not it at all. That's not what that was. That potion actually probably sent him somewhere else. Yeah. To some other land. So again, he's being lied to. So we I just don't think we can trust Arthur for much of anything. Nope. So we had an interesting scene in uh, Granny's with a former uh a former pirate and a former thief talking mm-hmm. about that little magical room. Yeah. So yeah, Hook trying to get Robin to help him figure out what's in there. And I love Robin's, you know, little snarky remark. So what, asking her didn't work? <laughs> well, and that room sort of reminded me of uh, the sixth sense that, I don't know, oh. it's right there. Yeah. So um, 
So let's talk about the final scene. We see Belle looking at her rose, and all of a sudden, all the dead petals join up, and it refreshes, and it re- right. It's like it's reborn or uh-huh. something. Uh huh. And we don't know exactly what caused that. No. But the the rose is now back together. Well, that's why she dropped her lunch and had mm-hmm. to run. She ran to yeah. go see Gold yeah. Yeah. in the shop, and he was gone. Not there. But then the rose is still going, you know, regenerating, which means that he is gaining strength. And so, interestingly enough, then we see. So then we have to dust off our uh, philosophy <laughs> notes from college. And... um Anyway, so she brought him to this little underground lair, little cave place where the Excalibur is now. And she's basically going to make or create a hero. And she's going to use gold because he is neither dark nor light. He is a blank slate. Which, what is the term for that? Uh, tabulus, tabularasa. Tabula rasa. Right. Where did we hear that before? From Lost, and I think it's Carl Jung. Carl. Uh, I, it, I'm not going to go into who it was. I believe it was Jung who did. Yeah. But, but no. Where have we heard that before? Well, in Lost. Once, yeah. In Once Upon a Time. Uh, I don't know. It was the reference. Not tabula rasa, but it was blank slate that was referred to when the Charmings needed to take Emma's darkness out of her and oh, okay. put it into into yeah, the apprentice said that yes, yeah. and yeah. that's why Lily was chosen because yep. she was the egg. Mm-hmm. So that's going to come into play later. Oh sure, not Lily. Oh yeah, the tabula rasa, the fact that he is a blank slate right now. Yeah. So I don't know how all that's going to play out. I don't know, you know, in, but that's the question they keep thinking about. Can you create a hero? And then it goes back to all these different people that are playing the dark one that's playing like she's not a dark one. The the redeemed villain that's playing a hero and all these different things. No one is really who, well, very few people are who they uh, are supposed are to be supposed to be mm-hmm. and so but who's here's Arthur? the interesting who's, thing so. here's an interesting thought what if emma inside of all this embracing the darkness baloney the actual real emma that we know the hero that we know actually has a plan to put the darkness right back into rumple okay yeah right because if you take the darkness out of one it has to go somewhere. Right. And it's got to go into a blank slate. There's no babies right now. Yeah. So wouldn't it be best served going right back into Rumple? Well. And then if she could control him with the dagger, then it's all good to go. I don't I know. I don't know. I got a headache. There's, there's too much to think about. But um, those are our first thoughts. Mm-hmm. Now, what are yours? That's that we've took our first shot at it, and uh, I think 
we we brought out some interesting things but what do you think that's the big question mm-hmm. so that's all for now and what I want to do is send big love out to everybody mm-hmm. especially after this episode I think oncers need a lot of love and so big love is so big that you can't keep it all to yourself you need to take what you need and give it on to somebody else and hopefully they'll give it to someone else and on and on and on that's what makes life worth living mm-hmm. and uh, so we thank you for listening and spreading the word we really appreciate it and until next weekend when we record our main show take care and send us your feedback and your voicemails And uh, we will talk soon. Take care, guys. We will see you later. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. This is a Rony Zone Media production. Our website is onceuponatimepodcast.com. You can contact us by going to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash contact. You can also connect with us on social media by going to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash connect. If you enjoy what we do and would like to support us, we invite you to go to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash support. There's a number of ways that you can help us out, and we truly thank you for it. The Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast, where you experience more of the magic of ABC TV's Once Upon a Time.